On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, what better way to celebrate episode 200 than an interview with Elon Musk himself? Yes, it actually happened. Elon and I discussed Tesla's past, present, and future, covering a whole lot of topics in this one-hour conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So I'm here at uh, Tesla in Palo Alto at their corporate headquarters with the one and only Elon Musk. Elon, thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome. So I've got so much to ask you. I know I don't have all day. Um, I, I've always wanted to know the Model S. It's When in the process of the Model S did you know that you had something special? Was it on paper you just knew or was it not till it got out into the world into customers' hands or somewhere in between? Sure. Um, and I apologize if it takes me a little a moment to kind of get into things because uh, uh, by the end of the day, my mind is like loaded up with so much stuff. I so understand. Like, it takes like just a moment to kind of like <laughs> unload. Um, so I guess uh, yeah, I guess when we when we unveiled it, the, the you know the Model S we designed in the corner of the rocket factory. So we didn't yeah. have a design studio at the time, um, and uh, I tried various outside design houses and nothing good came of that. Um, so I was fortunate enough to encounter Franz um, von Holzhausen, just a referral from a friend. And, uh, and Franz came to the opening of the first Tesla store, the one in LA. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had like, quite a good party, I think, at the, at the opening. Um, and uh, Franz thought it was a good vibe. So and he and I got along really well. So he decided to uh, leave Mazda and join Tesla, uh, which was very a very risky move at the time. Oh, at the time, sure. He was yeah. in Mazda, doing quite well for yeah. himself, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so then we, uh, we we literally just put a tent in the far corner of the rocket factory, the SpaceX rocket factory, and uh, and put together a small crew and started sculpting the. The, the Model S, um, and the the requirements were pretty extreme because it, we wanted it to be something special. So uh, we wanted uh, something that had more cargo space than any other sedan right. uh, that could seat five adults and two kids. Because I have five kids, so yeah, <laughs> kind of wanted <laughs> executive to, privilege there. Yeah, I wanted to you know be able to carry um, seven people plus luggage in the front. Um, so we had the front trunk. Um, and uh, then to to have great performance, so great handling, uh, great acceleration, um, and, uh, and and just a, a beautiful silhouette, um, long range. So right. we, we wanted to be at least two hundred fifty miles, and we ended up being a little, little two sixty five. That's I right. Remember, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you do a podcast about your company every week, you, you soak up all the information. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so when when did you, you see so you knew right away that this was this was going to work and this was going to be something transformative? Oh no, I didn't know it would work. I didn't know it would work. I just designed what I thought would be the perfect car if uh, for me actually. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think if you, I think this is generally a good approach to if you if you're going to design something and create a product. It's very difficult to infer what others would love, but you know what you love. And so if you make yeah. something that, that you love, and then hopefully you're not unique in the world, then <laughs> others will like it too. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, we're going through the same thing. We went through the same thing with the Model X and the Model 3 and Y, and now the, the, the pickup truck is, um, you know, first of the pickup truck, we were like, that was just like showing, but basically just, Different versions, very similar versions to pick trucks that already exist. And I was like, yeah. guys, do do you love this? And like, <laughs> no, actually, you don't love it. But but we think truck buyers might. I'm like, this doesn't doesn't work that way. You just can't build, yeah. you can't build a product that somebody that you actually might fall in love with uh, by trying to imagine what somebody else would love. That doesn't work. Right. So with Model S and with, and with Roadster, um, like I did most of the design work personally for the original Roadster. Wow. I got a design award from. 
a couple of design awards actually. I actually <laughs> got an honorary PhD from uh, Pasadena School of Art, the art school, so from that. Um, it's, but it's actually relatively easy to design a sports car. It's hard to design a, a sedan that looks good. A sports car, the natural uh, dimensions right. are quite, uh, you know, they're sort of like model dimensions. Yeah, and you yeah. don't need to be practical, really, in a sports car. You don't need practical, yeah. no. You can be lo- long and low, and and, uh, and and that just makes it look good automatically. Yeah. And, and sleek lines, and you don't have to have lots of cargo space and that kind of thing. It's, it's hard to design a good sedan. Um, and I, tr- I tried at first, but I did not succeed. And then uh, that's that's why I decided to um, uh, ask Franz to join uh, Tesla, and then the two of us worked on this. Um, and um, yeah, but it was just really trying trying to make something that I, that that I was sure that I would love. Yeah. And then hopefully others would love it too. Could you have foreseen the impact that the Model S was going to have on the on the world from from the Motor Trend Car of the Year award on down to the the influence it's had? I, I was actually always like fairly pessimistic about the outcome of Tesla all right from the beginning. I just, I mean, I thought that right from the beginning, um, you know, when it was just like basically f- f- sort of f- kind of five of us, like I, I thought, uh, yeah, maybe 10% chance of success. Yeah. Um, and uh, we came very close to failing many times. So and I, n- I never really thought it at, before it actually happened that it would be that successful. Um, was there a moment where you just started seeing them on the road every day on your commute where you thought, I think we, we did this? Yeah, I saw that with the Roadster, original Roadster, and, uh, and then with the Model S. Well, the original Roadster was pretty rare. Yeah. The Model S, um, it was quite trippy to see someone in a Model S who was not, I didn't know. <laughs> You know that means they actually like bought the car, and I don't know who they are. Yeah, I guess if I if I um, put myself in your shoes, that's that totally makes sense. Yeah, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a great honor that somebody would part with their hard-earned money to buy our car instead of somebody else, some other car. You know. What do you think that's when you deal. see Model Threes out now? Because around the Bay Area and certainly LA, uh, where you spend the bulk of your time, those two places, they're. extraordinarily common. You know, you can really throw a rock in traffic and, and hit one. So, do you feel like we're do, we're We've done it, or do you think they're not all Teslas? I'm not done yet. It's a pretty small percentage of the cars on the road in California that are Teslas, in, in, even in the Bay Area and LA. Number two selling car in California, though. Of new April. cars, yes. Yes. So it's progress. Is that the Model 3? The 3, yeah. Probably number one by dollar volume. It was. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, that's cool. Um, but the you know for every car new car that's bought there's something on the order of 15 older cars so even if we had 100% of all cars sold it yeah. would take 15 years to replace the fleet right um, and, and and really 20 years if you if you go beyond uh, the US so average life of a car is about 20 years um, yeah actually i think there's like there's just a shocking number of cars that are not teslas e- even in our hometown um, so there's clearly a lot of opportunity. Um, well, to that point, you you know you you open sourced the patents. You mm-hmm. wanted people to follow you in your footsteps. You said when you won the Motor Trend Car of the Year award, I hope they copy us. And uh, yeah. mm-hmm. the so I have a theory that I'm wondering if you can either speak to or a shot sure. shoot down. This is totally my own personal theory. Ludicrous mode came pretty quickly after insane mode from the P85D. Uh-huh. Then you went sure. just a few months later. The P90D with Ludicrous came around. Um, you know, you guys are, of course, known for not waiting for product model years, which is great. But my theory is that ludicrous mode came about because you saw that nobody was following in your footsteps and building electric cars. So you thought, you know what? I'm going to shame them into building electric cars by outperforming all of them. Is there anything to that or <laughs> am I crazy well, on that? I mean, ludicrous mode just comes from space bolts. Well, sure, but the actual yeah. performance of the car, not yeah, not the, the naming convention. Um, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we kind of uh, discovered that, particularly with dual, dual motor and, and like pushing the envelope on the, the power electronics, uh, that, um, and, and, and then having kind of like a launch mode where you kind of, uh, kind of wind up the half shafts and everything, yeah. that um, you, you put all these things together and you can go a lot faster. So 
Then I'm like, okay, we already have insane mode. So what are we going to do beyond that? I guess ludicrous. Um, and then the other thing, of course, beyond ludicrous is plaid. Oh, um, can't wait for that. <laughs> plaid mode. <laughs> um, but no, if it was, we definitely want to show that an electric car could be the best kind of car uh, that that could that could outperform a gasoline car. So, uh, and I think these days, like people just they don't they don't remember just how foolish it seemed to make an electric car, um, and just I mean we were just relentlessly denigrated and said that you know we're obviously going to fail, and and and. The fact that we're doing electric car was just like stupidity square, right. um, and uh, you know, and, and if gasoline cars is going to go on forever, basically, and then if it's not gasoline cars, it's going to be fuel cell cars, uh, and that uh, GM and Toyota had tried electric cars and it failed, and if how could we succeed it when they when they had not when they failed? I mean, it was just like relentless negativity. It was just the negativity continues, of course, but. Um, now that there's like lots of electric cars, people don't realize that this was not the case at all back yeah. back in uh, you know 2008 when we went into production with the Roadster, or certainly in 2012 when we went into production with the Model S. The but but really what, what, what we found is that with uh, at first people said we, you know you, you, it was impossible to make a long range uh, high performance electric car, it's yeah. just like physically impossible. We're like, uh, but it's obviously you do the physics, do the math, and it's clearly possible. <laughs> um, so, uh, but then they said if you if we made it, nobody would buy it because they just want gasoline cars. So we we made the Roadster, then we sold the Roadster at around five or six hundred cars a year, which is like small, you know, yeah. uh, niche product. Uh, but clearly, you know, people did want the car, and and then they said that, that then the argument against going electric was. Sure, you can make a toy electric sports car. <laughs> Everyone knows that. I'm like you didn't say that last time, you know. <laughs> but 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 you definitely couldn't make a real car. Like what, what about like you know a, like a premium sedan like a Mercedes yeah. or a BMW or an Audi? Like there's no way you can make a car like that electric. <laughs> you know, it's way bigger. You have to have all these like you know features and all those features and functionality. Uh, you know, it's going to be incredibly safe. Um, so. Then said, okay, well, if we then we'll make that kind of car, and that will convince the industry. If we make the Model S, um, the the best sedan, yeah, um, and um, and you did, and they've still been slow to follow. How do you feel about the industry's yeah, progress remarkable. on on electrification now, here, twenty nineteen? No, I mean, there's clearly a lot of momentum at this point, particularly in China. I mean, China's making half of all electric cars in the world. Yeah, um, it's hard for us to compete in China. So, like our, our uh, our sales in China have always been relatively small, like disproportionately small to the market compared to the market, because we have always had to pay uh, import duties, right. um, and, and they've been very significant at times, up to forty percent. Um, and then we never had access to any of the uh, tax incentives that the local companies had, so we had a huge uh, uh, financial disadvantage. And now you've, you're fixing all that as we speak. Yeah, with the, with locally produced cars, we'll be. We should be on something close to a level playing, level playing field, um, and uh, yeah. So so there's pretty pretty good uh, output of electric cars these days. Um, I'm not sure what the global out- is. It like an annualized rate of a, of a million or something like that? Maybe a little more. Sounds about right. Not yeah. enough. Yeah, it's about one percent of cars produced. Maybe maybe one and a half. Um, so, but but the the trend is is very much in the way of in the direction of electric. So you're more optimistic now than you were, you know, a few years ago when when you open sourced the patents and and not much came of it. Yes, it, it really seems like there's a lot of momentum towards electric, um, and there are a number of a number of country, countries have said that they're uh, going to ban combustion engine cars at some point in the future. Yeah, like 2040 20. or so, right? Yeah, I mean, some of them I think are maybe as soon as 2025 or 2030. Um, and it's certainly going to make it harder to sell uh, gasoline cars yeah. um, as that deadline approaches. Um, so I think like from a financial standpoint, if, if for consumers that are looking towards the future, um, there's clearly a strong social movement in, in every country, or almost every country, I think, uh, towards uh, sustainability. Um, and I think the, from a residual value standpoint, an electric car is likely to be a, a much smarter financial decision than a gasoline car. Yeah, Tesla Network, you've talked about that at length. Yeah. Um, 
Actually, I did want to talk about the Model 3. I mean, that's what I have. That's what I, I've been following the company myself for since the Roadster days. And um, I've, the Model 3 was... Since 2006 or since... Well, since it hit the market. Okay. Uh, 2009. 2008 or yeah, one was, was my first sort of up-close-and-personal experience with the Roadster in the original Menlo Park showroom location. And that's a whole other story that uh, we can get to another time. But, you know, I, I waited for, for Model 3, and, and my time finally came, and I've had mine for 10 months, and it's, uh, along with our home and LASIK eye surgery, it's literally the best thing I've ever spent money oh, on. Oh, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> it really, truly is. And so I'm curious, you know, I, what was the toughest design choice you had to make on Model 3. You know, you had your price objective, but mm-hmm. your your other goals and, and mass producing this thing. So what design choice? I'm, I'm sort of curious what the what sticks out for you as a tough thing you had to either say yes or no to. From a design standpoint, I, I don't think there was, there was a really big binary decision. I mean, I mean, maybe going from two screens to one screen. Yeah. You know, not having a screen in front of the the steering wheel. Uh, that uh, there was like a lot of debate of like, well, is there enough screen real estate? Like, maybe people really want that sort of cockpit feel. Uh, you know, so there was like, you know, I got a fair bit of pushback on going from two to one screen. Um, but uh, I think, you know, my opinion was like, I think people prefer having like an open view of the road and, and just having more visibility, and we, we can fit it all in one screen. And, uh, and we can always use the phone as, as kind of a backup interface. Right. Um, so, I mean, that was a binary decision that may be one of the bigger ones. Um, the, it, was, it was hard to make the Model 3 look good. Uh, that was not easy. Uh, there were a lot, of, a lot of nuances around the body shape, especially the nose. Um, for aerodynamic was, purposes? No, just or? For, for aesthetics. Yeah. Um, well, I noticed, it, or it seemed like, correct me if I'm wrong, the... The, the nose softened up a bit from the alpha prototypes that we saw on, at the reveal to production. Mm-hmm. Was that the case? Yeah, it's it's tough to you know for an electric car if you don't have a big grill in the in the front, the you, you don't want to look have the nose look like Voldemort like you just like <laughs> you know got nothing there yeah or sort of blunt blunt nose <laughs> just doesn't look good. So you've got to put some some you lines. You, you've got to get some character. Um, or, or it just does not look it look good. It's very difficult, um, and then in doing so, not, not affect the aerodynamics in a significantly uh, bad way. So, um, you know, we switched from Model S having um, uh, air inlets and uh, heat exchangers on either side to having one sort of central one, um, and uh, and then with the width, we changed from. 195 centimeters to 185 centimeters from S to three right. went went down by by 10 centimeters, uh, which was actually a design decision driven by Japan because uh, the hmm. parking machines in Japan go go from 185 centimeters to 195 centimeters. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and we initially inc- <laughs> um, made the mistake of certifying the Model S as 196 centimeters because we wanted to go on the side of being too big. Sure, it was actually technically 195.4 or something like that. Um, and then they they wouldn't put in any of the parking machines in Japan, so <laughs> they were like, yeah. So it was hard to sell cars in Japan. So like, oh, well, this time we'll make sure the width is it, it fits in even the smallest parking machine. So 185 centimeters does that. Um, but then it's you've, you've less width. You've got to get everything. Uh, you're still going to make it roomy um, on the on the inside. You want the car always to feel roomier on the inside than it looks on the outside. Right, and you smartly did that by pushing the firewall forward, pushing the cabin mm-hmm. forward. And yes, it's, exactly. It's, it's incredible. It feels there's tons of room in the in the back seat or the yeah. front. Um, uh, and then going to an all glass, the, the glass roof. Yeah, uh, really helps with the headroom. That's beautiful. Yeah, and yeah, so it gives this incredible perspective of you know the stars and well the the sky and um, but also gives you headroom. Yeah, I uh, tell my seven year old daughter yeah. she's actually got the best view in the whole car. Mm-hmm. Not me. She's got it. Uh, clear up a Tesla urban myth for me sure. on, on the Model 3. Was there ever a heads-up display for that car? You know, the, back, you talk about the no. single display, and the, the chatter was people trying, well, there's going to be a HUD. There's got to be something there. Um, no, there was. No. We, we discussed it, but I have tried various heads-up displays, and I just find that they're pretty annoying. Yeah. Um, and... Um, that we felt the car would increasingly go towards self-driving, 
and then you wouldn't really care about having stuff displayed in the, in right. the windscreen. So, you know, as, as things are approaching autonomy, why have why project things you don't even care about on the on the screen? Well, how about on the new Roadster? You've talked about sort of an Iron Man type of <laughs> some sort of interface mm-hmm. between the driver and the car. It will just uh, jack in with a neural link. Just, like, <laughs> Cars do out in uh, what a year, two mind years. Mind meld with the car. Um, what is the status of the of the sure new it's Roadster a USB-C project? Connection. <laughs> you know, we, you've 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 displayed the the new Roadster at a couple of your last yeah. the autonomy day and a couple of things, but you've conspicuously uh, you've, you've not mentioned it when sort of talking about the roadmap for the next couple of years. What what is going on with well, the new well, Roadster? The, the new Roadster is kind of dessert. It's not, you know, do we really need the new Roadster to <laughs> uh, accelerate? Our progress towards autonomy or to, towards electrification yeah, and sustainability? Certainly not. No, not really. <laughs> I mean, this is not going to. You know, how many of these things are really going to produce and sell? That, that I was going to ask you that very thing. Actually, what do you think? How many of those do you think you'll make a year? I mean, it's. I don't know, uh, but it's probably not more than ten thousand. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, it does have some value, and it's like if if this can really outperform, say, the best of Ferrari or Lamborghini or. Uh, McLaren, yeah, McLaren, yeah. you know, on every dimension, yeah. even on the track. Yes, on every level. Yeah. Then, th- then it, that that would finally er- erase the halo, any halo effect that exists for gasoline cars. Yeah. So the the neuros would be designed to, or is designed to, uh, outdo, uh, by a long shot, the best gasoline right. car. The hardcore smackdown, as you hardcore famously smackdown. put it. Yes. Yeah. Like. Crushingly good relative to the the next best uh, gasoline sports car. What's in the Founders series for that extra fifty k <laughs> over over the the base model? I can't say. <laughs> Fair enough, um, uh, but it'll be cool. Um, I mean, we're gonna we're, we're gonna do some things with the new roadster that are kind of unfair <laughs> to other cars. Well, the SpaceX package, I assume, is yeah, one of the things exactly. you're mentioning. Um, if you put if you put cold grass thrusters in the cars. <laughs> I mean, you can just go in any right, direction. Right, ten of them around the car, right? You've said, I think. I mean, if you have like say three Gs of thrust, <laughs> yeah. you can go in any direction. You can go up <laughs> at, and still accelerate upward at two Gs. Yeah. Is that? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a good idea? I mean, it's not the <laughs> safest thing in the world. <laughs> Sounds like fun. What's what is that option package going like, to set me back? I don't know. I mean, we haven't <laughs> figured out exact pricing, but it, 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 this is uh, this is really just taking the the, the SpaceX. Uh, uh, Call gas thrusters and stick them in a car. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because you can. Yeah, we already have them, so yeah. it's not like we we like we we know they work. <laughs> we use them in the rocket. How do you manage to keep the Roadster a secret? It seemed like just it, you you shocked everybody by pulling out of the back of that semi truck. Uh, we got a, a we leased a really nondescript building near our design studio and did all the work in a, the separate building. Nice. Yeah. So nobody knew this building <laughs> even existed. I, I heard you have like a skunk works thing in this building somewhere where you guys are all working on all kinds of fun new stuff. Well, there's there's a there's a whole basement full of test equipment that we we try out different uh, powertrains mostly in this building. Nice. Um, yeah. So I think uh, you know we're pretty excited. There's like a lot of exciting uh, technology coming down the pike. Um, but I, I mean, our primary focus right now is just making sure that uh, Tesla is in a good good financial condition uh, that we're producing at high rate for the Model 3 especially, and getting the cars delivered, um, improving manufacturing efficiency, output, um, uh, staying on track with the Shanghai Gigafactory and uh, the Model Y. Um, the, the Model Y is, is, you know, going back to my point, of, the Model Y has it's much roomier inside than it appears on the outside. Yes, I found and that. It, I got to attend the event and, and get a oh, test you, ride. You were in it, yes, yeah. and I found this, the exact same thing. Yeah, a lot of people think oh, it's, oh, it's, it looks not that much bigger than a Model 3. It's intended to not look big, but yeah. it's actually, like I think the mark of a good design is um, for, for a vehicle is that it feels much bigger on the inside than it looks on the outside. Um, yeah. In fact, I, yeah, on, on that very note with the design of the Model Y, um, it's, it's very close in sort of general appearance to the 3. Were you mm-hmm. tempted to, to be more aggressive with its styling, or, or was the... The idea of, of sort of staying a little more conservative with it, uh, knowing that the three is a success and it works, was that a design exercise that sort of 
playing it conservative, a design exercise in itself. Well, going from the S to the X, we made so many changes. It was the S, the S to the X, Model X to the Model X, Model S to the Model X was intended to be have a lot of carryover, but we made we put so much new technology. I mean, there's like, I mean, the amount of hubris we put into the Model X was really astounding. The, the car is made of hubris. Right. You've called it the Fabergé egg many yeah. times, of, uh, yeah. as impressive as it is. It's, it's nutty. I mean, we even developed <laughs> a sonar that could see through metal right. that the military doesn't have. <laughs> so uh, that's crazy. And, and that was just so that we could avoid having a puck uh, uh, in, a the, visible in the door. A visible yeah. puck in the door. We developed... Yeah. Sonar that can see through metal. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> we should not have done that. You, you do also seem, uh, uh, <laughs> the why aside, you seem to be on a never-ending quest to find the coolest unconventional door handle in history. Every, all the cars outside the 3 and the Y have their own cool way of, of getting in. You put a lot of effort into that Model S door handle. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Even I saw the, at the Autonomy Day, somebody posted a video of the Roadster I guess probably your phone key or key card mm-hmm. key fob on you, and then you swipe on the B pillar. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, I think like the Model X has the coolest doors. Like people self presenting. Yeah, exactly. People know about the uh, the Falcon doors. You know, the doors that sort of open up like wings. Um, and, and by the way, those those doors actually have a different opening arc depending upon what's around them. Right. So we, if there's nothing around them, we optimize the opening arc to, to be as beautiful as possible for the actual <laughs> movement to be as poetic as possible. Um, and it'll only veer from the most beautiful movement if there's something close by. In which case, it'll it will it will change its movement arc uh, to avoid the obstacle. <laughs> um, it, and it's, it's insane. That door is insane. Um, but but the, the the door that actually um, will be the is the most that, that you will notice the most on a day to day basis is the are the, are the front doors um, where the the car actually triangulates the, the Bluetooth signal from the the, the key fob right. de- detects if you're walking towards I've seen it in action yes yeah. exactly like you've, but most people don't realize this exists but old all doors on the Model X are, are automatic so the the, and the, the front door. It, it, it's, it's actually trying, doing radio triangulation on the, the Bluetooth receiver in your, in your, on, on your key um, and calculating that you're walking towards the car in a way that suggests intent to enter as opposed to parallel <laughs> to the car walking by or, or orthogonal to the car. <laughs> it, so it won't open the door if you, if you walk parallel to the car. It won't open the door if you walk to the trunk or to the hood. It'll only open the door if you walk to where, the, where you'd want to enter the car. Awesome. And, and it'll open the door just 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 before you get there, uh, and then you sit down. You never touch the door. You, you tap the brake pedal to start the car, and the door closes. Yeah, I've seen. I, and I've talked to a number of S or three owners who who miss that when they're not in their Model X. Once you start using it, it's it's like <laughs> then it's, it feels weird that you have to open and close the door. And and, and so people after using an X for a while will get in a, get in a normal car and sit there. And not close the door because <laughs> they expect their car to close its own door. Uh, I wanted to ask you go back to the Model Y. What you know? What what is the biggest lesson learned from the Model Three program that you're applying to the Y, either from a design perspective or I presume a, a manufacturing one? You know, for, we, we tried not to go. So the reason I mentioned the S and the X is that the the X was a and. Ended up being a radical departure from the S, yeah. and the only things that were in common were the drive units and the battery pack, really, and and the center display. Like, there's really everything else changed. Um, anyway, we have that sort of helicopter cockpit wind, windscreen in the front. Yeah, um, that the doors you talked about. Uh, the, the 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 rear seats were insanely difficult to do to uh, hide the tracks in the floor, so that when you open the Falcon wing doors and you look across, you see an absolutely clean silhouette with a monopost seat. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think probably six people in the world even noticed that, frankly. <laughs> um, but it was insanely difficult to do. Uh, with with uh, Model Y, we, we wanted to avoid the um, technology bandwagon that we had with the, with the X, where um, we, like, it should have been easy going from S to X, and instead it was, it was hell because there were so many new, new technologies. Right. Uh, and we didn't want that to be the case, and it would be too risky for the company to do that with the Y. So uh, we've, we've tried to make the car 
um, as similar to the three as possible, except to the degree that uh, a change is necessary f to achieve SUV functionality. Yeah. Um, so be able, you need to be able to sit seven people and have uh, have a higher ride height, um, more cargo capacity, uh, while still uh, having uh, a low drag coefficient and, and not increase the frontal area too much. And um, uh, so, so that the range... It's, so basically... Uh, CDA drag coefficient time frontal area mm -hmm. and mass are are close enough to the three that the range is is only affected by let's say the weight eight to ten percent or something like yeah. that. Yeah, um, the, the CDA is worse with the with the um, with Y because the cross sectional area is is higher. Right, um, makes sense. Bigger. Um, so there are some um, manufacturing. Um, Improvements for the Y. Um, we're the rear underbody. Uh, we're moving to an aluminum casting instead of uh, a series of stamped uh, 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 steel and aluminum pieces. Um, but it, it drops from initially. Initially, will be two castings, uh, and I'll go from seventy parts to two, and then seventy parts. Actually, seventy parts to two plus joiners of wow. four. <laughs> Um, and then it'll go, when we get the, the big casting machine, it'll go from 70 parts to one. Wow. Uh, w with a reduction in weight and uh, an improvement in MBH and, and a reduction in cost and a significant drop in the capital expenditure required for the older robots that would otherwise be necessary to put those 70 parts together. <laughs> how, uh, how is the Y project going? Oh, it's going great. Yeah. Are you happy with the, sailing. Are you happy with the, the sort of reaction to its reveal a few months ago? Yeah, I mean the, the I intentionally didn't go all out with the Model Y reveal because I didn't want to convince people to uh, buy a Y instead of a three. Yeah. Um, so you know, if everyone just decided, okay, we'll just buy a Y instead of a three, then we're we wouldn't have any customers, and there would never be a Y because nobody, you know, how would we float? We wouldn't be able to uh, float the company. So, um, you know, so I was like, I was kind of like medium in presenting the Y, um, but I, I think I think when people get it, the reaction will be better than they they think. Um, so, and it's really just like if you if you if you want a, an SUV, and are, and are prepared to accept. A slight cost increase and a slight range decrease, then that's great. Um, the, the advantage of a sed sedan is it's going to cost a little bit less and it'll have a little more range. Right. Um, and so, it just kind of depends on on whether you want a sedan or want an SUV. What's been your thought process on on where to build it? Because the last couple of earnings calls, you seemed, you know, you didn't make any guarantees, but you seemed to say. Well, I think we're probably going to look at building this at the Gigafactory. And mm -hmm. then on the last conference call, uh, the last earnings call, you said you were maybe leaning more towards finding some room in Fremont to do it. So is there sort of a, just curious sort of your thought process. I'm sure there are pluses and minuses to doing it in either location. Yeah, we, we could do it in either location. The, 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 the long lead items for Model Y are, are mostly the, 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 the tools for stamping. So, like the body side outer tools, um, are the, the long lead items. Um, so, there's, uh, you know, whether we put it in, in in Fremont or in Nevada at Gigas, uh, we have more time to decide that versus the amount of time it takes to uh, machine these giant stamping tools. Right. Th those, that's the gating factor on on timing. Um, and uh, right now, our, our default plan actually is to produce the Y at, uh, at Fremont. Um, and I was skeptical about whether this, this made sense uh, at first, but the, you know, my team convinced me that this, this, this is actually the fastest way to get to volume production is to do the Y at, at Fremont. Well, I guess especially when you're sharing 75% of the parts, it makes yeah. sense to have them all under one roof. Yes. Um, there's some pros to doing it at Giga as well because we don't have to transport the drive units and the battery pack right. and the chargers uh, to you know we, we just make them right there, uh, and the uh, labor you know just the cost of living is less in Nevada. Sure. Um, so you can have the same standard of living for um, you know less money the, uh, in, in Nevada than in California or in the, especially the Bay Area. So 
uh, fundamentally cost of living here is, is on the high side, so that's why it was a little counterintuitive. But, um, and it's not a totally clear-cut decision, but um, we're optimizing for speed of execution, and on balance, it seemed like we could um, we, we could get get things done faster if we did it in in Fremont. Makes sense. Yeah, um, um, and, and and part of it is like I was like skeptical at first, like where we're we going to put this. You know, we, we had no we had to put the yeah GA four in, in a tent. It was yeah. a very nice tent. You know, it's uh, where my but, car was built. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not like a Cub, it's not like Cub Scout tent. It's a <laughs> structural tent. But um, the we're, we've actually found uh, there's some warehouse space we were using for warehousing parts in the main factory, um, and uh, and and then there's we can sort of append things to the uh, to the western side of the factory, uh, the highway side of the factory, yeah. um, and 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 kind of use that that wall and just kind of add things on there. So, it's uh, sort of counterintuitive, but it, it does seem as though we we can we have the room and we can do so without disrupting the Model Three production or S Next production. You've been having a lot of fun uh, with software in the cars lately. We've seen the Tesla Tari game suite come right. around. Uh, mm-hmm. You were talking on Twitter recently about uh, your your love of Portal and and uh, some of those things games you'd like to see porting the Unreal Engine, Unity Engine, uh, mm-hmm. potentially into the cars. There's one other thing. Um, I hope Unity working. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I saw sort of uh, we have like a like a beach buggy driving game. What, yeah. What's it called? Dune, like Dune buggy or something like that. Dune, yeah. Dune, uh, and uh, so that's uh, that's pretty fun. <laughs> um, and uh, and then Cuphead we've got working. Really? Yeah. I know them. I know the developers in yeah. my day job. Yeah, I think they would be. Do they know that? Yeah, yeah, they've been helping they, us excellent. make it work. Yeah, Jared, uh, the Moldenhauer family—they're wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool game. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Great. It's insanely difficult. Yes, by design. By design, yes. yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's sadistically difficult. Yeah, yeah. And you got to earn they it. You got to You got to beat the devil. It's <laughs> it's, it's twisted plot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Deal with it's the dark. Devil. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it looks like some cute little Disney thing. You're like, <laughs> this plot is very dark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, we, we, we kind of have like Cuphead and Dune Buggy working on, on the thing. It was you know, a bunch of other games. Um, we didn't anticipate having all these games there, so the storage space will be a tr- trickier sure. one. But so you just kind of like have to decide what game you want to play, and then it'll download yeah. it. And, and, and so if you want to play other games, you'll have to delete that one and, Makes and load sense. another one. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, you know, I, I was actually watching an old presentation of yours recently, the, the open house, the Fremont open house from 2011, before the car wow. shipped. You were showing off the UI to the original group of Model S reservation holders. And in there... Eight years ago, damn. Yeah, eight years ago. And wow. in there, uh, you know, you'll remember the original uh, 1.0 of the Model S UI had a tab for apps. Uh, oh, and yeah, you, yeah. You, 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 ultimately, you never did anything with it. So I'm just sort of curious as, you know, you've been doing more with games, and we've seen so many amazing features just this year. I talk about it on my podcast all the time. Just in 2019 with Sentry Mode and, and all kinds of stuff, um, is there any thought to, to maybe, you know, opening things up and, and having a, a curated, uh, you know, app store-like situation where people could write apps for the car as you had originally laid out? Well, in order for it to be worthwhile for somebody to write an app, there has to be enough of an install base to to warrant the effort. Even if you're going to port something, it's still got to be kind of worth the effort. Yeah. So uh, as our number of vehicles grows, and, and you need to have a consistent platform as well. Um, so as the number of vehicles grows, then it starts to you know, potentially make more sense to develop uh, game or games or, or other applications for uh, Tesla um, but we, we just need a lot of cars. Like if we have got, if we have millions of cars, then it's thought like okay, that could, that could kind of make sense. Sure. Um, especially since uh, you know it's it, the center screen is an Intel platform, um, and uh, you know it just runs Linux basically. So mm-hmm. if you have something that uh, runs Linux, um, you know, Intel Linux, uh, then uh, and and you know, it works on a touch screen, then. You, you don't have to do much work to port it. Um, so, it, but but I think this this 
there's not, there's not much point in us doing putting a massive amount of effort into an app store until the number of vehicles is is higher. So I think for now, what makes sense is to just um, you know work, work with a few cool games um, and, and and app developers that kind of just went out of out of out of interest and curiosity, or just think it would be cool yeah. to, to 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 kind of port their stuff. But like, there's no money in it right now. You know, you can't compete with whatever, there's like 500 million iPhones or something, you know, <laughs> right. or a billion Android devices. or you can, That's like, we're orders of magnitude away from that. So um, so it's kind of, if you have something already and it's like pretty easy to port, then it might be fun to do that. And especially if they're driving the car, then it's kind of cool. Um, so it's just like a few kind of demo apps that, that, that are kind of fun, um, especially if they increase the fun level in the car. Um, that would that, be cool. Are you still uh, trying to work on getting Netflix and or a YouTube portal into the cars for a future software version? You mentioned that as maybe a V10 thing. Well, you could, do, you could certainly, it would, be, it would be pretty straightforward to allow access to Netflix because you can just go through a browser. Yeah. Uh, you know, any kind of browser interface uh, is, is going to work because uh, we, you know, we've got Chrome running, so, or Chromium, I guess. Chromium um, now, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, the the issue is uh, the the bandwidth consumed uh, is going to be significant for video, so we we just we can't afford to have like t- t- it would be tough for Tesla to pay for massive amounts of <laughs> like for people to watch a movie over a cell connection. Yeah, racking up that bill with AT and T. It's a, it would be an expensive movie. <laughs> um, so if but if if I think we could make we could just enable it for you know if you're connected to Wi Fi or something like that, then. It would certainly make video work real easy. You know, on that note, um, I see a lot in the community, um, the North American Tesla owners are jealous of their European counterparts because they have Slacker. Or, pardon me, they have Spotify in their cars, and we have Slacker. Uh, is Why that, do you hate Slacker? No, no, I, this is, don't shoot the messenger here. Yeah. Sorry, is it, so is there like a sort of a contractual thing with Slacker, then that's why there's no Spotify here, or is it just your preference, or I'm sort of, I guess, got to ask that one on behalf of the community. You know, this, we, we just have a lot of fish to fry, and port, you know, switching to Spotify in the U.S. is just, like, not on the priority list yeah, relative to, to other things. Um, like, people can certainly still play Spotify through the Bluetooth connection on their, you know, from their phone. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, when we first did this, you know, back in 2010 or we were in production in 2012. Right. Uh, it was kind of crazy to have, like, streaming audio in a car. Like, no car had that. Um, yeah, so, you could call up any song with voice activation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that, that was like a, like a crazy magic trick back in 2012. <laughs> it's like only seven years ago. So uh, the idea of being able to say, play any artist or any song uh, or any, any, like, comedy routine, Monty Python, whatever it is, and it'll just play it. Uh, was like kind of mind blowing in 2012. It's like less, obviously, a lot less mind blowing in 20, 2019. Um, but that that's uh, you know, so it's it's just um, we have a lot of fish to fry, <laughs> and and, and uh, uh, giving people the option of Spotify is, I guess, something we'll probably do down the road. But it's just not a high priority right now. Understandable, and and certainly the the present. You know, that you've got a lot. Uh, to solidify in the present day. And, and so sort of on the topic of priority, you, uh, with, with the push for autonomy and the Tesla network due to come online in the near future, yeah. uh, and your, your call, your belief that people will call for the steering wheel to just get deleted at some mm-hmm. point uh, sooner rather than yeah. later, is um, I'm sort of curious about the how you think of the you know, you've talked a lot about Tesla's the most exciting product lineup in the world. And I, as a Tesla owner and enthusiast, certainly don't disagree. The part most, from a product roadmap standpoint, I yeah. think it's hard, hard-pressed to think of what would be second or third. You know, it's, I think Tesla's got the best, like the most exciting product lineup by a long shot of any company that, that, that has publicly announced anything. So with, with that in mind, but with the autonomous future on the way that you guys are working so hard to deliver, um, is, a, is something like a, an even cheaper, more affordable you know, Model 4, quote-unquote, like a compact sedan, is something like that even in the roadmap? Or, or do you think autonomy will not even uh, cause a need for that? I, I, autonomy is for sure the priority. 
like it's just a car becomes dramatically more valuable when autonomous versus not. It like probably increases. I think it increases in value by, you know, maybe a factor of five or something crazy. <laughs> um, so, or just think of like if if, if you can earn thirty thousand dollars a year from a car and say like, you know, even like a Model S, uh, you know, uh, pay, you know, financing payment might be a thousand dollars a month. So that'd be like twelve grand. Like you yeah. could you could basically, you know, make a pretty good return even on a Model S or a Model X. Um, I guess I'm sort of curious about the balance between autonomous future and the ultimate goal of the company of, of you know, just electrifying the world and, and uh, advancing sustainable transport. You know, I, I've seen in my own office, there three of my coworkers have bought standard range plus models because there's just an incredible difference between a $40,000 Tesla and a $50,000 Tesla. Yes. So I'm, I'm sort of, you know, do you want to keep going further down the roadmap and, and, you know, drive even lower cost cars to market? I mean, eventually, yes. It's not like, it's not like, it's not like we could make a $20,000 car and are just arbitrarily choosing not to because <laughs> we, we hate people who buy $20,000 cars. We, we do not know how to make that. Certainly, um, for now. So, as I said in my, you know, the original sort of secret mass plan, the, it's like insanely difficult to make a, an electric car um, at, at a price, you know, at a price at the same level as a gasoline car and um, have have the same features and functionality. Right. Uh, you know, gasoline cars have had trillions of dollars, literally trillions, and like 150 years to re- refine um, internal combustion engine technology. Um, and, and, I mean, in the 70s, it wasn't even like obviously you could s- start your car. Like you go to your car and it's like turn the key. It doesn't always start. <laughs> like that's you know today that would be super weird. Yeah. But you have all these old movies where like the murderer is chasing you with an axe and like. <laughs> Will the car start or not? Is a, a plot device, yeah. you know? Uh, like I don't know, uh, <laughs> might start. Um, but but there's there's all these you know, it's like like vast amounts of of R and D and 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 tremendous scale economies have gone into making uh, gasoline cars uh, low cost. It's nutty how low how little they cost given how complex complicated they are. So it just takes more. It takes time to, for electric cars to get. Um, Get there, and 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 the, you say how many versions have gasoline cars been through? Like twenty? I don't know, a lot. Yeah. Um, and and we're basically on, you know, from a Tesla standpoint, we're on like version three of the technology. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean the, the we had the Roadster, the SX platform, and the the, the, the three Y platform. Yeah. It's, it's just like that's only just version three, really. Um, <laughs> So there's, there's, and, and yeah. So, um, but but with with autonomy, I think that uh, makes the economics of buying a car dramatically different. Um, you know, you can you can get uh, sort of a a Model Three. Uh, you know, lease you can lease it like four hundred bucks a month. Uh, maybe finance it for four fifty or five hundred bucks a month. And um, and and say like okay, so that, that's basically you know maybe a little over a hundred dollars a week. Um, and how, how many how many rides would you have to have an autonomous car give to make a hundred dollars in a week? <laughs> Very few. Yeah. Like if you, if it's if it just spent you know if, you know if a few hours giving giving rides, you, you've like made your your lease payment. Um, so you know for a few hours per week, and and so. Then, then who who can't afford that? Like, well, as long as you're willing to let your car do rides, like anyone can afford it, really. Yeah. Um, and in fact, it would be a moneymaker. So, uh, you know, instead of so you could be like an Uber or Lyft driver driving a car, one car, or you could you could be uh, manage a fleet of cars, um, and where, where each of those cars is uh, earning money for you. And you could manage like ten cars or twenty cars or something, um, and that's just going to be w- way better. And then you're sort of more like a shepherd tending a flock type <laughs> of thing. You're not the sheep. <laughs> um, so that, that that seems like a way better uh, thing to do um, than than to always be driving the car. 
Um, and, and so I think that's definitely what, what people will choose to do is just operate a fleet, operate a small fleet and like, you know, take care of the cars when they get a flat tire or need some service or something like that. Uh, you know, need, need to be cleaned out or taken care of in some way. So um, you just sort of manage your, your fleet and, and, and then uh, it's, it's like a little business basically. You've been so excited about the pickup truck. You, you just, you, I feel like you just can't wait to show that thing off. Uh, you, know, you snuck in the teaser at the Model Y event that we all mm-hmm. missed before you put it out on Twitter I it was, later. It was, it was way, too, way too subtle. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I heard the noise and turned and missed it at the event, and uh, everybody was like, what was that? But um, from, yeah. from everything you've said, I mean, this thing sounds nuts because you've mentioned on Twitter, uh, like, titanium components uh some like cool suspension stuff with with you know the weight uh your your load in the bed uh it so is that is it reasonable to expect that the pickup truck at first will sort of follow a more uh s and x like trajectory or it it might start off a, a little higher cost before maybe making your way down market with it we don't want it to be really expensive um you know, I think it's got to start at less than $50,000. It's got to be like $49,000 starting yeah. price max, you know, as, 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 and ideally less. Um, and even I think you just made a lot of people really happy who are interested in the truck by saying that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it just can't be unaffordable. You know, it's just got to be, it's got to be something that's, that's affordable. So um, now there'll be versions of the car that are more expensive, but, or the truck that are more expensive, but... The the you've got to be able to get a a really great truck for forty nine thousand dollars or less, and and um, you know it's it's just got to have incredible functionality from a load carrying standpoint look look amazing, um, but it 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 won't look like a, a normal truck so it's it's gonna look pretty sci fi. Um, that means it's not going to be for everyone. Like if somebody just wants to have a truck that just looks like trucks have looked for, you know, the last 20 years, then 30 years or 40 years, then this probably isn't for them. Yeah. But, but this this is, it's going to be a truck that is more capable than other trucks. Like it'll be a better truck than, than, than you know, say an equivalent like you know, the goal is like be a, be a better truck than F one fifty in terms of truck like functionality, um, and be a better sports car than a standard nine eleven. <laughs> That's the aspiration. I like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're willing to to help the internet out right now, or if we're just gonna have to wait for the proper reveal. But in that teaser image, which end of the truck was that? The front. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> People were convinced either way. Sure. I don't know if you followed any of the chatter, but it was uh, people were like, "Is it the back? Is it the front?" <laughs> Nobody yeah. was quite sure. Um, I mean, it's like kind of a, like a Blade Runner truck is the, the idea, but like I said, it's not going to be for everyone. Like for yeah. sure, when we unveil this thing, there'll be some people, some number of people are like, "Oh, that doesn't look like a truck. I don't want to. I don't want to buy it." Yeah. And, and um, you know, it's like, sure, okay, you know, when they came out with automobiles, like, people were like, oh, I like a horse and carriage. Like, sure, okay, <laughs> you can stick with your horse and carriage, but you're going to get an automobile later. <laughs> they just don't know it. Um, the, super, the V3 superchargers, got the, got the beta sites up. Um, can you speak more about the rollout there? Are you aiming for more kind of rural road trip spots yet, at first, rather, or... Um, what, what's sort of your thought process behind rolling those out? Yeah, I think we'll focus on long-distance routes. So uh, if, you're on, if you're in a hurry to get from one city to another, you can, you know, can go, go as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then also uh, replacing some of the version 1 uh, superchargers, some of the older superchargers will, will also take priority. So um, like if, you, if you've got a, a V2 supercharger that's charging at like you know 140 145 kilowatts uh and and it's not it's not full so you're actually getting the full you know 140 right, you're to not sharing it 140 plus kilowatts yeah that's pretty fast so but there's some uh, out there where <laughs> they're still at 75 kilowatts so we will we'll replace those first 
um, on long distance route, long distance routes. So. Has anybody, you've kind of touched on this here and there, have any other manufacturers come to you about the supercharger network, about getting on there? Because you've, you've said you're open to the idea. I think JB's commented on that too. But um, to me, that's the electrification in the industry is great. But if I'm going to buy a Chevy Bolt or, or an I-Pace, like, cool, it's awesome around town, but I can't really go anywhere in it. So, right. you know, nobody seems to be investing, or not enough maybe investment in the network. I know there are a few out there, right. um, but are you, are you fielding calls there or what? Um, nobody's contacted me. So maybe they've contacted other people at the company and they haven't mentioned it to me, but um, none of the manufacturers have, have contacted me and, and said that they, they want to use it. Like it, it, we do require that the car be able to charge at a high rate, um, and uh, and then obviously sh- share in the cost of the of the, the system, and pro- probably we'll get some takers down the road, um, but uh, they just they don't seem to be that interested right now. Is is that a real challenge of the of the supercharger network of of staying ahead of the the rolling sort of wave of you know you're putting out thousands of new cars every day and you know, easing congestion and trying to make sure that it's still a, a good usable experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, don't want to, we, we can't afford to build too far ahead of congestion because we don't have the money to do that. Yeah. So we, um, we, you know, having a whole bunch of idle superchargers wouldn't be a great use of, of the company's money. Um, so we try to stay ahead and make sure as much as possible, anticipate the demand um, and stay ahead of the ones that we expect to be highest demand um, and then make sure that we're covering every route that somebody would want to take. Um, so there's uh, addressing congestion and, and freedom of travel, freedom to, to travel. Um, yeah, so yeah, we're just, but in you know, some cases we're a little slow because like a building building permit doesn't come through or something like mm-hmm. that. Like you can't just like expand these on instantly because there's a lot of you have to get the utility and sure. the building permits and everything to um, to agree. So we built a lot of superchargers, though. I mean, it's pretty nutty. You see that map, map in the lobby. Oh, yeah, in the lobby, in the lobby it's, is awesome. It's crazy. You know, it's like all over Europe, all over North America, all over China, Japan, Australia. Uh, the, the semi is the one vehicle I haven't touched on yet. How, how much of the business do you, not like from a percentage numbers thing, but I'm sort of curious, is it, is, do you see that as, as like a, a, mass, a potentially massive part of Tesla's business, or is it sort of a let's just see how this goes kind of thing? No, I think the semi will be a very big part of Tesla's business, um, as will the, the, the pickup truck. Um, I mean, they're, they're very important fundamental use cases. Um, so I think like we've got to you know, at least have one you know, uh, what we think is an amazing product in all of the, the key uh, use cases. So, you know, kind of full-size sedan, full-size SUV, mid-size sedan, mid-size SUV, uh, pickup truck, um, and, you know, semi for, for commercial trucking. These are very fundamental. Um, the, but it, it only makes sense to add new products at volume if we have the battery cell capacity to support them. Otherwise, we're yeah. simply adding complexity, but we're not putting more vehicles on the road. Right. You had so, to starve the, the energy side of the business last year, you said, to, to get yeah. the car batteries out there. Yeah, we had to convert all of the battery cell lines for the Powerwall and Powerpack to, um, to, to make cells for Model 3. Um, and even then, we, we, we uh, were uh, often starved of cells. So we want to make sure that that doesn't occur again. Um, and really, cell capacity will come online just in time for Model Y. Uh, even if we if we had Model Y today, yeah. we couldn't make we, we couldn't actually make any any additional cars because we do not have enough cells. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I know my time is is up here. I've taken plenty of it. Uh, let me just say on mic, both personally and on behalf of anybody that listens to my podcast or, or everybody in the Tesla community, just thank you for your efforts to to make these amazing cars that we all love and cool. have a great time with and keep our families safe and uh, pave the way for, for a better, brighter future. I, I really cannot thank you enough. I, I, I love my Model 3 and I, being part of 
the community that, that you and the company have, have fostered cool. is just such an, a wonderful thing to be a part of. Uh, you know, that's why I spend my nights and weekends <laughs> making a podcast about it. I just, I love uh-huh. it so much and cool. thank you for everything. Oh, you're most welcome. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it is bringing you joy. This is, uh, you know, there's, there's very few products out there that you can, that bring you joy. You know, there's very few. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, how many things do you, how many products out there can you buy that you really love? It's very rare. Well, there's, I end my podcast every week with something that you said on the Joe Rogan podcast, which is that uh, it should, the Tesla should be the most fun thing you ever buy. That's the last, yes. that's the last words you hear on every episode of my podcast because that just resonated with me. That's our goal is to make the car, is, is to make, have the car make you as happy as possible. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Elon thank Musk, thank you so much. Thank you. there you have it. I still almost can't believe that actually happened here. I'm recording this part 24 hours later. So the interview, as as you heard me in the intro there, uh, took place at Tesla's corporate headquarters in Palo Alto, California. And it took place on Wednesday, May 29th, 2019 uh, at about 8 p.m. That's why you heard Elon at the beginning there for context reference. Hey, it's the end of the day. He had to kind of reset his brain a little bit before getting into the interview. So it had been a long day for him. He was extremely gracious with his time and just to do that at all. So I want to thank Elon Musk one more time. Uh, that was just so, so generous of him and so kind to to sit down with with somebody from the community. And, you know, I, I just I'm humbled and grateful for the opportunity to get to do that. I, you know, I, I interview people in my day job at IGN regularly. Interv- I interview game developers all the time, and I love that part of my job. It's really, it's actually my favorite part of my job. And getting to apply those skills, the interview skills and, and the, the passion I have for interviewing people to Elon Musk uh, after, after doing a podcast about Tesla every single week for the last four, almost four years now. It's just surreal. I, again, I'm I'm just so humbled and grateful for the opportunity. I also want to thank Tesla's communications team and Elon's staff for a whole lot of emails and a whole lot of patience as we we spent a lot of time, uh, many months, trying to put that together, and it finally happened. So I'm so grateful to them. And most of all, uh, I want to thank, well, two people, a group of people and a specific person. I want to thank C.J. Gibson. He is a friend of mine and a video producer at IGN. He volunteered his evening to come with me and be my audio producer. You know, this was this was going to be an audio podcast, no video, but you know, CJ is just such an expert. He had my recorder that I'd I'd bought a <laughs> a new recorder just for this. Make sure I had a a better one than I used to have before when I when I used to do the show on a recorder uh, a couple years ago and. Uh, CJ just took care of all of the AV stuff so that I could focus on the interview and and not have to worry about any of the technical stuff. So CJ, I owe you. I, I owe you a debt of gratitude. Thank you so much for everything. And then the other big thanks, honestly, goes out to everybody listening to this. The people out there who have listened to Ride the Lighting, whether this is your first time or your 200th time, this this would not have been possible without you guys. Uh, it's <laughs> This podcast could have never grown into what it has become without your support, without the, the time that you so generously give to me by listening each and every week. Uh, this, is, this is just incredible. It's uh, to, have, to have started this almost four years ago, just putting it out there and seeing what happens because I was passionate about Tesla and the company and the products and the mission to to have now made it this far to have had a, a, a hour long sit down with Elon Musk it's just amazing and uh, again I'm humbled by it thanks to all of you listening and uh, just a quick note before I go if this is your first time listening to this podcast hey I invite you to stick around new episodes publish every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern time 6 a.m. Pacific um, I'm happy to talk more next week. 
about the build-up to this and answer any questions that you might have about the interview or sort of the, the, the behind-the-scenes of it a little bit. Uh, but until then, I'll let you go now and let the interview speak for itself this week. Thank you all for this incredible 200th episode. Elon, the Tesla team, CJ, all of you out there. Happy electric motoring to all of you, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. <laughs> That's what it's meant to be. Well, our goal is to make it's, – it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment, mm. make its maximum fun.